music that sets the tone for today's show is from one of our guests, Matt Sims, and it and it really kind of gives the vibe of, of Blinders Off, his show. And I've had the uh, had the honor of collaborating with Matt for a couple of years now, and uh, it's just been a, been a lot of fun. He's a great person to work with and puts out his music under the handle of Audius Prime. Javier Mendoza, Hobo Kane, continues to be our uh, featured artist on the show. At some point, I'd love for Javier Mendoza to be part of Songbird Cafe. Uh, Javier is currently... Um, Currently has the moniker of Hobo Kane. That's um, he's putting out his music under Hobo Kane. His uh, social media is under Hobo Kane, and uh, yeah, he just great music as always. His music, uh, the the style of his music, the energy of his music hasn't changed. Uh, just uh, just the name. So check out his music and check out Songbird Cafe, who is now a sponsor. Steve Saint Cyr has been a friend for many years and is just a passionate guy about music. And he strives to put the best music together on a monthly basis. Takes a little hiatus in the summer. But, uh, you know, he he wants to, to bring that, uh, you know, just top-notch storytellers, top-notch songwriters, uh, bring them to audiences in the round and uh, so they can enjoy just the stories behind the songs. And it's just always amazing music. You can listen to that episode and get an idea of what it's all about. You can get the vibe of the show and... Uh, you know, it's never the same as experiencing it live, but uh, especially if you, if you like Americana music or a little folky music, um, you know, some country, some a little bit of rock, you know, it all kind of combines. You'll definitely want to attend a Songbird show, and it's you know well worth uh, a few hours of your time. Take a break from social media and uh, check it out. Now, if you don't want to take a break from social media, please uh, check me out at kencalcaterra.com. Um, well, that's the hub for. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those other great social media outlets. And uh, please, you know, leave a comment on the show and, uh, you know, give us a thumbs up rating or just whatever it is. Give us a five, whatever you feel. If you enjoy the show, just get, you know, give, a, give a rating that, that uh, you know, is, uh, is the proper recognition of that enjoyment level. But um, we look today and I, I'm, you know, talking about shows and and podcasts and i've commented on their show pages many times we have the uh my good friends matt sims and lucas yokum and uh they have um have a great podcast called blinders off and now you may ask what is blinders off what does it sound like what what's it all about and it's kind of in the vein of uh i guess you could say a radio lab or this american life um it's just amazing storytelling um, they've went through, they've interviewed many people, they've crafted a story based on something that's gone or has relation or, you know, some sort of situation in St. Louis. And uh, one of their uh, one of their episodes, they talk about these uh, Red Hot Riblets. Um, and it's really fascinating when you look at it, um, you're looking at elements of our world in a different place. Now, you know, I'm mainly bringing just personalities and uh, people who I find really interesting but when you uh, you know when you look at what they're doing, they're really crafting uh, a story based on people they find interesting, but mainly on a topic. One of their topics is uh, it's a system that can detect gunshots and it can pinpoint where things are happening, and you know this allows uh, crime statistics and allows police to you know I guess better serve the area where you know there's a lot of crime. And uh, it's really fascinating. It's not something I knew about, and uh, but it's something that when I well, after I listened to it. 
I just, you know, I was really informed and definitely entertained. Um, they also talk about homelessness in uh, St. Louis City and uh, just do a really great job of telling a story. It's top-notch. It's just as good uh, as anything else out there, um, you know, in that vein. So, yeah, if you if you like NPR-type programs, you, you're going to love this. So happy to sit down with the guys, talk a little bit about their art, their show, and just, you know, a little bit about life. As always, I want to thank Dr. Mark Holland, First Capital Chiropractic, my St. Louis chiropractor. Uh, you can find his links on the show page. And just his support is means so much, helps me... Uh, you know, helps me to advertise a show, helps me to, you know, pick up some gear, things like that. Just, you know, take some of the cost off of my shoulders and always happy to, you know, give him a shout out. He's just such a positive dude, such a great friend. And I, I know he has high standards for, you know, the help that he gives his patients. So if you're, uh, you're experiencing any back pain, any uh, spinal issues, you know, definitely get a consult with him and then see, you know, what he recommends you do with it and how he might help you. So uh, I've always enjoyed going to his um, going to his office and, and getting a massage, getting a, an adjustment, and uh, it's really kept my spine in good shape. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Also want to thank John Webster, John Webster Pen and Ink, for his great artwork and his great friendship over the years. Um, John, just a, an amazing artist and... Uh, you know, enjoy looking at his work that I have uh, hanging out, you know, hanging all around my house. Uh, you know, you should check something out too. Um, you know, reach out to John, see about getting a print um, or an original piece if you're you're in the market for that. But it's just, you know, really just it's eye candy. So that's uh, the gist of that. You know, you can find Blinders Edge, you know, check those guys out um, on their links. And then, uh, like I said, check me out on social media, reach out. And uh, here they are, Matt Sims, Lucas Yoakum, Blinders Off, here on Conversations with Calcaterra. One thing worth noting here is the apparent accuracy ShotSpotter provides versus a human witness or a listener. And a ShotSpotter can even tell you if it's coming from, it can give you the address, tell you if it's coming from within the dwelling. It can even tell you if it's coming from a second or third floor. We did a simple test to compare the sounds of fireworks versus gunshots, something ShotSpotter can easily do. I played back 48 sounds. Some of them were fireworks, and some were guns. Lucas had to guess which was which. Here's a sample of that test. So, first sound. That's a gun. Second sound. Gun. Third sound. Firework. Next sound. That, that's a firework. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. It'd be pretty dull to listen to the whole test, so we just decided to take the liberty and skip ahead just a bit. All right, that's it. Okay. Okay, I'm going to tally things up. All right. So you got 23 out of 48. Huh, so... You have failed. Yeah. 48%. You might think you know what you're hearing, but in reality, you have actually have no clue. Yep. Okay. All right, well, it proves the point. Blinders off is in the house, and this is our first recording of uh, 2018, so it's nice to uh, talk with other podcasters. Introduce yourself, fellas. My name is Lucas Yoakum. I'm the co-writer, co-producer, co-etc. of Blinders Off. I'm Matt Sims. I'm the other half of Blinders Off. 
The other half. You don't have all the titles. Just the other half. That's is that on your card? Well, let's see. I do. I uh, I produce. Uh, I write. Uh, I do part of the voiceover. I'm a co-host, and uh, I do all the editing and pretty much all the music. Uh, and that's it. So, so Lucas has his big titles, but he's like a slacker. <laughs> I really am. I, uh, I mean, jokes aside, I do handle a lot of the research. I handle uh, a chunk, a big chunk of the writing, a lot of the social media. It, it's we're a very small operation in many regards. And don't get me wrong, I'm not. I feel like we put out a, a perfectly fine podcast. I'm very happy with what we've done. But it is two people handling the entire load of the entire show, more or less. And with your podcast, which a lot of people don't know, with mine, I sit down with a couple guys. We're having some urban chestnut right now, just having a having a brew while we talk. So it's a lot simpler. Yours is, I mean, it's it's some dynamic storytelling. Tell tell me about your format a little bit. Uh, so uh, we basically picked uh, St. Louis as a as the starting point for any of the episodes so as long as it somehow connects with or involves st louis or somebody from st louis we'll do a story about it um we decided early on like probably around half an hour is what an episode length will be but it could go up to an hour Mm -hmm. uh it it really varies based on the story of the content but we pick a topic we do research and then we try to pick interview subjects that kind of tie in with what we want to do for an episode and then lucas and i will go out and do interviews and at that point if research and interviews kind of conflict with each other we kind of reevaluate and adjust things in a good way like in a sense of um i don't know if a shot spotter there's a certain amount of information you can get out of somebody whenever you talk to them police didn't want to talk to us so that's an angle of the story that we can't really explore other than previous media which is totally fine so uh if the research kind of pushes things in a different direction that changes our voiceover and we kind of wrap it around so we actually remove ourselves from any of the location interviews part of that is reflecting on what we learned from the interviews and what we want to say in research kind of gives us a chance to absorb stuff so the the thing we always talk about with doing anything in st louis is that every story is multifaceted and has a lot of nuance and detail to it that's why we're taking month or two months at least to do an episode and you're probably only going to see an episode maybe once a month if you're lucky, just because it takes a lot of work. And it's well worth the wait. It's just like kind of Dan Carlin. Are you familiar with hardcore history? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy, he's, he has these three-hour podcasts, and he may have one subject with Cleopatra that is six six episodes of, you know, he has 18 hours total of Cleopatra. It's just insane, the research that the guy puts in. And it's just like, it's just amazing it it blows my mind yeah i mean there's endless amounts of nuance to just about any subject i mean using dan carlin as the example uh, i listened to his world war one series i think i got nine hours in before i finally said okay i need a break and yet no it wasn't actually throughout an entire day i'm not that insane yet yeah and the other thing is we we ended up adding uh music sound effects and anything that helps or supports the the story so uh example is we did an episode that was about st louis food and kind of took it a bunch of different directions uh uh we had to do sound design to get the sound of like eating chips drinking soda which is fun to do but all that stuff starts to add up over time that it's it's pretty grueling but so far the feedback we've gotten has been really rewarding that everyone says they appreciate it they love it um and the the probably the best compliment is someone will say i can't believe this doesn't exist right now like why has someone not done this before and it's like well it's a lot of work that's one thing but uh yeah it's uh it's good to get that feedback because all the extra detail that goes into that stuff really adds to the experience of it hopefully it makes something more visceral puts you into that space and uh you know i'm i'm cynical enough whenever it comes to 
history and a lot of the subjects we we delve into um that it basically keeps your attention even if you're not interested in the subject so if nobody cares about shot spotter i want to figure out a way to make someone interested in it so one thing was um take a take into consideration it's all over the u.s it's in places all over the world so chances are it's somewhere around you don't even know uh st louis county just got their own system so that that kind of ups the bar and makes it more interesting that it doesn't you don't have to be from st louis to listen to the show it's going to help a lot but even people who have moved away i think have listened to the show and really like it so but regardless it's just interesting subjects and with the sound effects and everything else it's something that you know i personally want to go back and listen again because there are so many like you said nuances and things that's like oh i didn't catch that the first time so it's a bit of ear candy as well. So yeah, you add a lot of elements that just it's just great storytelling. Thank you. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, did you find did you have an inspiration when you started it? Like, hey, we want to model it after this, or did you just kind of say, here's here's something we want to hear, and and just crafted it in that regard? Not really. I think uh, we we obviously have influences. Uh, none of us would probably do a podcast if it wasn't for This American Life. Like, I, I'm a, a late bloomer in the sense that I did not listen to public radio interviews even on the radio. You no, know, me neither. Um, even I, in college when they're like, hey, you should... I started in college. Yeah. And it was like, I started listening to NPR at that point. Um, so so but once it took you, a while to really just get into it where it's a regular staple of my listening. Yeah, you know, the, the way you can subscribe and listen to something, I think that's where it started to make sense to me. That's whenever I started listening to a bunch of different shows and programs. So, I mean, that's... That, that isn't necessarily like an influence on how we how we do stuff, but just the medium of here's a specific piece of content and you can subscribe and you get new things whenever it happens. Uh, what what other shows would you list off ones that we listen to that maybe have an influence? Oh man, ninety nine percent invisible is a real obvious one. I really can't say enough good things about Roman Mars and his team. Uh, Reply All is a really fine one. That's from Gimlet Media. It's their tagline is a show about the internet. I think is their tagline. Anyway, they they cover subjects that are just tangentially related to this event on the internet and it swings wildly between really intense political stories to the most hilarious absurd bits of twitter related minutiae it's it's really a great show um benjamin walker's theory of everything we both listen to that uh, quite a bit he's one of those artists who does something really clever he takes a real story and then he lies to you just enough to make it a really <laughs> creative thing and you end the episode going wait a minute what what really happened here? I, I heard that, Ken. I heard that. I was trying to trying to hold that back. I don't typically drink ale <laughs> when recording podcasts, but since this, you know, you guys are here, and <laughs> wait, is is that our distinction? Three episodes in, we're the beer show. Well, speaking of beer, <laughs> uh, we we one of the topics that people have asked uh, for us to do, and ones that we wanted to do were. Um, St. Louis is a beer town. It has been for a long time. So uh, some of the research we're doing will basically be probably a multi-part series on beer, but there's a lot of ways to look at that. You can look at the Lemp family, you can look at Budweiser, and then like the modern craft beer scene, mm-hmm. of which you are drinking right now, my yeah, friends. Yeah, we are partaking, um, and thanks to uh, my buddy Troy Kibrodsky from the St. Louis Brewers Guild. This is some uh, beer left over from my father's memorial. So yeah, we're nice. You know, mm. Salute to him on this. Yeah, Salute. So we're... we're so I know we answered your question about like other podcasts. I think the general rule of how we work is we want to do as thorough research as possible. We would love it if, uh, not that we made a mistake, but whenever we would make a mistake that someone pointed it out so we could interview them and get better at what we're doing. The whole origin for doing this project was 
it gives us an excuse to explore the city, learn more stuff around us, and really hopefully be better like St. Louis and just people in general because we're going out and exploring something. Uh, no matter what kind of story that somebody already has around a person, like we, we ended up doing an episode about homeless services, uh, anybody who would want to talk about that subject, I would sit down and talk to you. Even if they're politically opposed to how I see things, stuff like that, it's a great chance to see something that you wouldn't normally see, and that's that's where like the title, Blinders Off, was like a part of the the way to build up the whole show was hopefully we can see this with our blinders off we're not we don't have tunnel vision and we're willing to learn or you know have a, di- a different opinion whenever the research changes things or we change as the the show goes on the the third episode was i mean maybe our most research intensive and it, we did more interviews and spent more time in all sorts of incredibly unusual situations i mean it, Part of the the thing that works about Matt and I's approach is we go, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z. And one of us goes, I'll go check it out. I'll go interview him. I'll go talk to him. Matt says to me late late in the afternoon, this was what, back in October. Hey, do you want to go hang out on a street corner and work with a street outreach for a night? And I went, all right, sure. Why not? Let's go see what happens. And I came away with my opinion about what it's like on the street level of outreach and with homelessness and with poverty, et cetera, really rearranged. It really shifted my perspective. So this is just as much an excuse for us to go record as it is for us to actually kind of go, go live, kind of go be, go, go and experience things. And it's cool. It's, it's great with the format of podcasting that you can do that research. And I like it. In, in this format, just sitting around, hanging out, connecting with people, chatting, and just less technology. Yeah. So it's kind of cool because you could put a documentary together on, on homelessness and on the subjects you're, you're capturing. And it just, yeah, so much. Uh, I know mean, there's so much, so many extra things when you add the visual, but I, I think you've really captured that well just with the sound effects and everything else. It, I like that it just allows me to expand my imagination and just kind of. Uh, put myself in that space uh, as I'm listening to it. So I, I think you do a great job with that. And it's just, I mean, super, everything you do, Matt, is is always pro. Thank you. And just listening to that, I'm like, why is this totally could be something that's on NPR? Yeah. So it's just, and I hold that as a, you know, still as a gold standard. Yeah. Because uh, it's a quality storytelling over the years. So yeah, I know, kudos. It's great. You. Thank you. And then, uh, and then, are you ever going to do uh, uh, do a podcast on your on the your round Earth movement? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so I'm confessing right now uh, on a recording that I'm a round earther. <laughs> I believe the Earth is round. But uh, you know, I'm looking at a map right now, and that's flat, and so it makes sense to me. It got me there. <laughs> and I've never been into space, so I can't really prove this. And you know, don't believe the pictures that I'm seeing, or uh, you know, the video. The, the thing that I get to whenever I think about a, a conspiracy like that is why? What? What? I mean, the you always hear people in conspiracy circles talk about this idea of qui bono. Who who stands to gain from this conspiracy? And okay, yeah, sure, fine. Who stands to gain from lying about the fact that we live on a globe? Is it NASA? Well, NASA is spending all of this money to send rockets up to something. So why would they? What? Of all the conspiracies you could have, why that one? It's just yeah, that that one is bizarre. I mean, I, I could. Uh... You know, a lot of things that seem far-fetched, you know, I can think about it and then figure, okay, here's why somebody would do this. You know, whether it's money, power, you know, so on and so forth. But, yeah, the the whole 
flat earth thing is, is a little bizarre to me. But <laughs> I don't know. What do you do you have a favorite conspiracy theory? Do you have one that really just stands out to you? Uh, you know, I haven't been somebody that's really followed it per se. Uh, I mean, my uh, a good friend of mine has a podcast called uh, The Conspiracy Farm. Give him a shout out, Jeffrey Wilson. Uh, yeah, so so since you know, every now and then talking with him, some things will pop up. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean one of the biggest things is everything that's happened with Kennedy, and and the reports have been released, and I haven't really heard much from that, or really have have pursued it. But um, you know, maybe that's something along those lines. Or mm-hmm. you know, of course, you have a lot of nine eleven conspiracies. Oh, sure. And, you know the you know the the new world order type things, the Rothschilds. I, I don't know. Sometimes. It's hard to know what to believe. There's so much information out there, so you try to disseminate it all and and make sense of it. What what about you? What's your um, there was a website that I used to follow semi religiously called the Vigilant Citizen, and the only reason I even know about it was. Uh, do you guys remember the website FARC.com? Mm-hmm. Great. News. I don't, but I like that. It sounds interesting. It's it's a news aggregator website where they have weird little tags like creepy, funny, touching, and my favorite tag of all time, Florida. So they would have these little <laughs> tags, and there was one, uh, I think it was either on creepy or weird or funny, or I can't remember the tag, but it was explaining that Lady Gaga is apparently a mind-controlled sex slave mm-hmm. for the Illuminati, and I yeah. immediately went like, oh, well, here goes a few hours of my day, and I, for a long time, religiously checked back in on this website, because each conspiracy theory gets more and more preposterous as they go along. And the writer, whoever the writer of The Vigilant Citizen is, the problem is he's actually a killer writer. He can tell a good story, and he'll hook you in for just a few minutes, and then he will drop something on you so absurd that you go, wait, the the, the Freemasons are... What are they doing with Ariana Grande? What? Who's Ariana Grande? What, what the hell just happened? Yeah, it's almost like they took Let's like the role of rabbit hole. They took the role of like comedy improv, where it's like the first rule is you you never say no, you say yes. It's yes like and. everything, yes every conspiracy gets something stacked on top of itself. <laughs> that like maybe the original idea of like uh, maybe the Earth isn't necessarily exactly the way people say it is. Well, that's reasonable. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it's not round. <laughs> and it just like it just adds on to that. That I think the the Illuminati stuff like that that's fun to think about because uh, you know. It's fun to think that there's like some big conspiracy and a bunch of people decide everything, which maybe to some extent some people will, like uh, political figures, rich people, stuff like that. But it's uh, it's mainly just funny to go check out. It's not like a, I don't really walk around thinking like oh, no. there's like some maniacal thing that's controlling everything. We're too disorganized and dumb as human beings to pull that off. So, But it's interesting just looking at the moon. I mean, yeah. clearly that's round. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's just one that I just like. Who came up with this? But it's interesting. Maybe that's a that's a subject in its own right. When did that particular theory begin, and yeah. how did it? Uh, because I mean, I've never heard about it before social media. So at I mean, at some point, somebody came up with this. I, I mean, granted, before we had all this science and people back in the day when went to like, let's just explore the new world, but we may fall off the edge of the earth. I could see back in, in those times, but well, it's not like we've evolved since then. And that's not me being my typical bleak, cynical self. We, we literally haven't evolved since before the stone age, you know, this, and Matt's heard me say this 500 times, the same brain that developed the, the first wheel or the first mm-hmm. uh, re, you know fire that you could create yeah, yeah. Is, is literally the same brain that created the internet and the atom bomb. We haven't changed. And so it, it kind of makes sense that someone would say, 
well, I, I've never been to space. And, you know, someone does have money to make by something with taxes and the moon. So, yeah, okay, fine. I can see where the, the thought comes from. But at the same time, it's that same brain that is also makes you just incredibly resistant to change. People people don't want to change. And I, I don't blame people. Change sucks. Was it, it, is it like the Descartes thing where they see in the shadows on the wall? Like oh, someone um, can look at that and oh, basically uh, the allegory of the cave. Yeah. So basically, the idea that like if you see the see the shadows on the wall, someone could just be like, "Yeah, those are shadows," and someone else could be like, "No, those are spirits," and mm-hmm. like that's a real life form happening right now. And it's like, I guess arguably both are true at that point for perspective, but in actual information and fact and science, it's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. But speaking of space travel, so I went to the. Uh, they had a Star Wars event at the Science Center, so I took my niece and nephew to that. Nice. And they had, and I'm completely blanking, there was a group, it's like a like a club, some kind of club or, uh, I don't know if it's aeronautical or some kind of space organization, you know, nonprofit. And uh, I was talking with one of the guys, and they had a, a 3D printer exhibit, and he was telling me out there, wherever their headquarters is, they're manufacturing parts for, like, space travel, uh, you know, off of 3D printers. And is doing things of that nature, and I think they're they're like launching the balloons, and you know, to bring it up to a certain altitude, and then launch their rocket. So it's amazing with technology now that we can send people into space. Where before it's just like let's get let's get a whole bunch of weather balloons and a yeah. lawn chair, and <laughs> yeah, you know, let, let's check this out. That's yeah. we're gonna. That'll be an episode of Blinders Off. <laughs> I, you know, if if it hadn't been covered by MythBusters, I would probably say, and that we wouldn't get fined by the FAA. I would absolutely be willing to do it. I absolutely. Would. It. I missed that episode of MythBusters. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> the, the question was, can it? Can it actually? Like, was this just an urban myth, or did it happen? Oh, no, that you can take a lawn chair into space. Not not quite into space, thankfully. <laughs> but but they discovered with sufficient uh, with sufficient helium and enough. Uh, balls you can yeah. you can get you can get off the ground that way and you can get fairly high in the air well it turns out that was a real case back in the 1970s uh the guy was eventually he was fined like 500 dollars and forced to be promised that he would be a good boy and never do that ever again there was a movie about it um crap why can't i think of the name anyway there was a movie about it and it's hilarious and you need a pellet gun to get back down because you have to shoot out the balloons to slowly drop yourself back yeah but down. what was the myth that you couldn't get that high yeah that you couldn't get that high okay. and, as, and as it turns out yeah you absolutely can makes you wonder with the mythbusters guys if that was really well is this an urban legend or, not? or was no clearly that'll work we just want to do it and it'll look cool yeah 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 no that's just one of those uh, i've seen it in television shows and different things and probably the same movie that you're talking about I, but i don't remember that or you know read some things in books and it's just you know, yeah it's one of those fun themes or like yeah let's get some weather balloons <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I don't even know where you buy a weather balloon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've never stopped to think about that. You, you steal a weather balloon. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. You know, Matt, normally I'm the one who takes it to darker places. What's what's going on, man? Your influence on Matt, he just, you know, yeah. his innocence is, is, is slowly dissipating. Well, it, it's, you know, Matt and I could look at each other rather the way a, a pet adopter looks at who. Who saved who? <laughs> no, no. How did you? I and mean, when did this saving begin? When did you guys oh. meet each other and start hanging out? So how do how do we even start that story? Um, well, uh, the my now fiance as of like what like a week ago or so. Yeah, congrats uh, on that. Thank you. Uh, uh, Lucas was a friend of hers, and I actually would have met you 
even before she and I dated because I met oh. you through her ex Rick. So that's it's been quite a long time. Yeah, we we met. Uh, I think it was for the a late night showing of of The Shining at the Tivoli. <laughs> Uh, you remember? Yep. Yep. You remember? Yep. So we, red rum, red rum. It was it was a weird night. Um, so we met, and then uh, he uh, he and Missy started dating sometime later, and I didn't remember meeting him. Which yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that makes me. A yeah, it was, we got along immediately. So it was like a it was like a natural friendship, and uh, we we started working on a a weird podcast project called End Transmission. God rest its soul. Mm. May, may it come back someday. I but, hope so because uh, I, I recorded some audio for yeah. <laughs> it. Was, it was a, it was a little too weird and avant garde. Yeah. Uh, not in a way that like I'm saying like we were awesome. Just more like we didn't have like a specific focus and like a style. Like uh, people don't know that Blinders Off would be a second project that we've done that I think we've gotten so much better that we had way more of uh way more of we were way more informed in what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it and how it would happen uh so i think the other one was more like an art project and this one's still creative but it's uh it definitely is the foundation's journalism like we have to do research we uh interview people and we check our facts and stuff like that so whoa, 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 what 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 you doing what facts what, uh, what is that it's this thing <laughs> uh never mind <laughs> yeah, in this day and age you don't i mean it's good to have that journalistic integrity because yeah. you just don't see in the day this day and age everything is so quick and it's just uh and a lot of opinions and it's easy to get lost in the shuffle and i guess i'm i don't know if i'm influenced easily but i'll, I'll read different points and kind of i could see that point and, uh, yeah, and so then it's, I don't know. I don't know if things are necessarily black and white. I mean, they've never really been just black and white. There's all that gray in between, which I think we're losing a lot of that in this day and age with social media and whatnot. Well, you know, with the with the project that we're doing right now, you know, there are times that it's like, well, we've got to go to the library. And I I love the same. I mean, I know you've done some work oh, with yeah, St. Louis Public it. Library. I grew up in the library system in a big way. I spent a lot of time there as a kid. My parents really nurtured my love of reading, uh, my love of music, all of that sort of thing. So the library is kind of home away from home. I think I probably stop into my local branch two to three times a week. What's your local branch? My local branch is Booter. Oh, Booter's great. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a tiny little branch, but it's three stories, and it, the, the staff there is phenomenal. Um I don't know if you know anyone there, but I love those guys. They're awesome, and they're hilarious. They're so much fun to talk to. But so with that sort of thing, you know, I for the for our upcoming episode, I found myself sitting in front of a microfiche machine at the uh, Missouri Historical Society's uh, library in, what, what is it? Is that, it's not Central West End. It's not, it's not quite U-City. It's oh, it's near Forest Park, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I've been in that building. That's cool. Oh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous building. You guys should go check it out. But I went up there and I spent about two hours in front of a, a microfilm machine, which is something I haven't done since, I'm going to say, the mid to late 90s since I was in high school. But you've got to go get those facts. And, you know, opinions are, I mean, not to take away from anyone's opinion, but opinions are a dime a dozen. We've all gotten an opinion and we're all allowed our opinion, which is fine. But I don't want to, I don't want to ever put anything out onto the airwaves without having first said, like, can I prove this? Yeah. You know, it's one thing when we when yeah. you have conjecture. I mean, the conclusion uh -huh. of our our final episode was asking, well, is there hope for people in poverty? Is there hope for homeless people and for street level addicts and things like that? And the uh -huh. answer, in my opinion, is yes, absolutely, because people are more informed and more aware now than they ever have been. But uh, there's a lot 
there's a lot, and I, I don't want to get depressed. Yeah. And, and, of <laughs> course, anytime you create something, you're going to have a lot of, uh, you know, your experiences are going to go into it. So no matter, and it's great that you would do diligence, doing the research. Oh, yeah. You know, there's always going to be, I guess, some sort of bias uh, or, or just and not even necessarily about, but there's always something like, what's the story we want to tell? And this is based on, yeah. you know, what I've learned over time and what I've been exposed to. But, but and I love the, uh, you know, the fact that with blinders off that you're kind of taking, or the audience hopefully is, and even you guys creating it, you're taking some of that, what you know, away. And then with those facts, uh, looking at it in a different way. So it's, yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, I think uh, whenever it comes to doing something that's, supposed to be informative in that way one way you can check uh your own bullshit with something like that is uh are you just trying to fulfill your perspective on something and get information for it if you're doing that you're not seeking information uh or facts you're just trying to solidify your opinion which you know is fine for somebody who just wants to do that but we don't want to for this project uh the other thing is facts and information are always evolving and growing you know one of the great things about science is that it constantly refutes itself and evolves and grows if you settle on an opinion and stay there that's probably the most dangerous thing you can do i would i would love to uh you know whenever we the homeless service thing is a great example uh larry rice's uh shelter shut down and part of the show might have been about that but it's it's been discussed so much that it's not really worth it Mm -hmm. that may reopen at some point in which case we would either need to revisit the topic or update it and say, hey, by the way, this is a different scenario now and do it. So I think I, I'm not I'm not necessarily worried about the most authentic fact possible because you're right. There's always a bias. There's always opinion, stuff like that you can never get rid of. But you should always be trying to bat that down whenever you're trying to do that stuff and admit what your weaknesses are. Uh, I think we're always constantly stating either on our posts or in the show this is as much as, much as we know about the situation. And that's the other interesting thing is um, depending on how you talk to people, uh, I think post-dispatch, for example, could easily score an interview with someone uh, like in City Hall. With us, it's like two guys. <laughs> like, what's the incentive to talk to two guys? Uh, probably not that much. But but there is a, there is a flip side to that that it might be the other way around where someone's like, I'm tired of appearing appearing in the news and just being casted out in a certain way by them using one soundbite for me and doing it that way. So that's probably been one of the most interesting things about this process is you can always take stuff out of context, and a lot of people do. Um, you know, uh, when the, the Stockley stuff was going on, City Hall had... Um, Whenever you walk in through the main entrance to your left, there's a mural on the wall. Uh, a lot of the buildings under decay because it's an old building. So internally, that area was kind of fading. It was a cool mural with a lot of uh, like African American people on it, and it was a cool looking mural. But basically, they had to like raise some funds to basically get the thing redone. Mm-hmm. So this is like the same week everyone's waiting for the verdict to come out, or the same couple weeks. Uh, the mural had faded enough that they they finally were like, okay, we're gonna get it redone. They signed up the original artist to basically go back and redo the whole thing. First, they had to, like, paint it over or kind of clear it out. Uh, I saw some people post on Facebook and say uh, they all they saw was all of a sudden someone walked in and saw the mural was gone. They just saw a, a white painted wall, and they, they were livid. That's and they pr- pretty scary to, when they, you have you know, a piece of history in here. What happened to so that? So they, they post to social media and say, look at how horrible City Hall is. They don't care about anybody uh they're horrible and then i was just kind of like that seems a little weird like it seems conspiracy like so i was like i'm gonna hold my breath and wait sure enough like a couple days later 
authorities from like City Hall basically say, here's the plan with this project. We've found the original artist. Mm-hmm. They're going to redo it. Here's the money for it. Here's the here's even the funds or the campaign we use to raise money for this thing. The dangerous spot in that whole story is if you just got mad at City Hall and stopped there and stayed in that position. I never want to be in that position whenever we do this project that, like I said, one of the best things that could happen is someone with greater information and data and facts came to us and said, mm-hmm. you you screwed this one up. You need, to, you need to talk about this or explore this. If people shut down and don't communicate, that goes beyond like a show or a project like yeah, this. Yeah, but where's like the being inquisitive? Uh, like, hey, wh- why is the, uh, what happened to the mural? Yeah. Oh, hey, we're in the process of restoring it. Oh, yeah. great. But it's just, you know, that jumping the conclusion. That's the scary part you have to, you have to address with yourself whenever it comes to how you even operate your life. Like, you can make decisions out of instinct and kind of pick and choose things but you know considering that's not a fight or flight kind of situation mm-hmm. it's uh it's an abstract thing happening in your brain that someone decided to take a picture and then go somewhere and share it to a bunch of people and not actually engage anyone that's like a dangerous spot to be in so this this project of the show is a great motivator for us to be like i can't just sit here in a corner and have this opinion I need to at least explore it. I also need to look up the, the contrary to what I think or believe mm-hmm. about a situation. And, and I think there's a scary thing and a dangerous thing with social media. It's, it's instead of due diligence, instead of checking the facts, that person put it out and then other people are going to look at that as a fact or as news. Um, I mean, it's it's called, or I, I don't know if it's still called the news feed, but at one point it was, which is kind of bizarre i think it's called the bullshit feed no it could be yeah i mean because there's a lot of bullshit out there yeah well and it's important to think about that the 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 quote-unquote 24-hour news cycle is is a new thing in journalism it used to be there was actually a gap of time if the if the five o'clock news and the seven o'clock news came on five days a week you had to wait a full 24 hours before you could get any development on a story <clears throat> and I'm not saying that the journalists of old were necessarily some paragons of virtue who absolutely should be trusted. No, you absolutely should be skeptical within reason. And that's the that's the, the tricky thing, right? I mean, we could have easily, like you were, we were talking about Larry Rice just a second ago, we could have easily said, Larry Rice closed, and that's bad. Here's Tom with the weather. Well, we, we could have done that, mm-hmm. sure. But sure enough, within a few weeks of us working on that episode, my opinion that, you know, uh, I have some very hard feelings about Larry Rice got immediately challenged by, like, a friend of mine who slept there a few nights and said, yeah, but. And if if our show weren't called Blinders Off, you could probably call the show Yeah, But. Because, <laughs> and and Matt can testify to this, all of our stories have started with, well, we're going to talk about this subject. And within a week, we're going, you know, that's that's not entirely there. Yeah. It's the the story mutates on its own. And, you know, you've done enough interviews by now, Ken, where I'm sure you've realized you go into an interview saying, well, we're going to talk about these five things. Two hours later, you go, oh, well, that's not at all where the interview went. And I think that's fine. And it's kind of nice when things happen that way. Like this one, I didn't have much time to prep. So it's uh, well, let's just let's just wrap and, and see what comes up. You know, I know enough about the subjects. And, and it's good to have when you have have good people to speak with and it just flows. Oh, and, sure. And thus far, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and what, where do you... Where can somebody go to to listen to it? I'll post everything in the show page, but where's uh, how can somebody find Blinders Off? So we we will have a website later this year, but right now, if you go to hyperurl.co slash Blinders Off, that will allow you to subscribe to the show in any medium that you want. So 
SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, you can find it. And you told me about HyperURL. I wrote that down, and then yeah. I got so busy that now I'm glad you're reminding me so, so I can go look into that again. Because you're always, uh, that's one thing about Matt, the audience, he's just like, knows all these cool technological things and is always my go-to no matter when i'm speaking with him he comes up with something that blows my mind like i had no idea that existed well i'm i'm lazy basically and i try to make it as convenient as possible so uh the the frustrating thing about podcasts is uh getting people to subscribe of all ages and backgrounds because it's never been consistently any group that's challenged and be able to find it it's not as easy as you know going to youtube and finding something uh, with the search bar, it's, you know, people have different apps. People have different ways of, of, of listening to those. Some people don't want an app, and they just go to a SoundCloud page. Other people are like, I swear by the app that I use because I can play everything as, you know, one and a half speed so I can listen to, like, way more because I'm, like, an information junkie. What? what yeah, I haven't uh, – I mean, I've listened to tutorials to learn things at one yeah. and a half speed, but no podcast. <laughs> yeah, what, a lot, so what app allows you to do that? A lot of people will do that. <laughs> so I, I, the one I have, Pocket Casts, uh, does that. So – um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the hyper URL, hyper URL thing is cool because it basically embeds all those different avenues. I started to see it whenever people would, uh, promote or distribute music, like, you know, how many different mediums or platforms do people get music from? It's all over the place. It's fragmented. And as long as it is, you need a funnel. So even whenever we get a website, uh, that's still going to be funneled through that thing. So people can kind of pick and choose. So that's one step better in the sense that, you know, beyond explaining, I, I we do have to explain the concept of a podcast to people we interview sometimes, which is great because hopefully I can get them to at least start listening to stuff. A lot of people don't realize, like like we we said earlier for this American Life, uh, the moment like a one minute commercial came on, I'm like I'm done. Like I don't want to dial turn a dial and go through stuff. I want to subscribe. Like it's different whenever you have sponsors in a show. I'll mm-hmm. never speed through those or skip them. Uh, chances are I'm listening and doing something at the same time, like doing dishes or driving and mm-hmm. stuff. So I think that's a, a cool thing about the medium is that you can you you're you're giving it a lot more attention than you might other things. Uh, even if you're doing a motorized task in the background you're listening like people were really really good at listening while they're doing other things in fact probably the point that a lot of people probably shouldn't listen and drive but they still do anyway so it's always nice when i'm listening to something whether it be a podcast or npr where i get home pulling the driveway and it's such a compelling listen that it's like okay let me just you don't get out of the car let me sit in here uh you know a little longer and you know there's been i think one time it's summertime a long day and I'm just listening. Okay, let me just put my seat back for a minute and finish listening to this. I was like right in maybe the middle, and then I was just out cold in my driveway, <laughs> and not drinking or anything. People might have, you know, neighbors might have thought like, "What? What's up with this He's guy?" He's sad but, again. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, you know, it's nice when you have that kind of you have something that is just capturing your attention in that regard, where it's like, "All right, I'm at the house, but uh, you know, I can't stop listening to this." Uh, it's nice with when you're listening on your mobile device and then you just walk in and continue. But if it's yeah. something on terrestrial radio, I don't want to you know, miss that spot. Or yeah. maybe a commercial comes on, I can run in. But, uh, yeah, it's it's cool. There's a lot of good content out there right now. Yeah. We, I feel like we're kind of in the first golden age of podcasts in a lot of regards. I mean, really, up until a few years ago, I didn't – it was just one of the things that just never caught my attention. I remember in the early days of iTunes just using it for music. There was a few podcasts, but they were just music podcasts, you know? It was like, oh, it's a, a two-hour drum and bass radio, which, okay, I, at the time I was listening to a lot of drum and bass, and you can judge me for that if you'd like. But <laughs> I, you know, okay, cool. 
I'd kind of forgotten about podcasts until uh, Matt and Missy and other people started saying, oh, you've got to listen to whatever. You've got to listen to whatever. My first hurdle was, well, how the hell do you even listen to a podcast? It's not like a radio station you can tune into. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I was able to really, I mean, catch on to a whole new uh, a whole new type of entertainment, a whole new type of education. I've, I, I think I probably listen to more podcasts than I've, I've listened to more podcasts in the last three years than I've watched TV in 10. Yeah. And, and, and that's because all, some of it's, you know, if I want to listen to a true crime podcast, if I want to listen to a science podcast, it's there. Most of them are free. It's not a big deal, but also that there is such a variety that there is such a, I can tune in when I want. I can download or stream when I want. I don't have to be in front of my radio or in front of my TV at 7 p.m. It's the reason why I think, you know, things like TiVos and DVR systems have stuck around because you really can't just segment your life off anymore and you've got to listen as you go. And also, there's just a big variety. I mean, really, there's literally a podcast for every interest and it scares me a little. But that's no, but that, that's that's, that's, the, that's the best part about it. Uh, I don't like uh, punk rock, but it's a very uh, punk rock thing to be able to just go out and do your own podcast. There is no gateway or path that you have to go through. You just need to know how to technically do it, and that's a very low entry level thing. Uh, I just met someone who just I'm going to show how to literally just record and put it online and do all that stuff. I'd encourage anyone listening or to tell someone else listening to just go out and make your own. Like, do not worry about. Whether someone listens or not, just do something authentic, do it your own way, and don't let anyone else stop Even you. if you don't put it out, and I had kind of started this because I, I knew so many amazing people, It's like, and I'm thinking of these conversations that I'm having or that I'd like to have or you know, listening to different things and, and imagining what a conversation would be with, I don't know, somebody that whose work I admire or a musician or whatnot. And I was like, wait, why don't I, I start a podcast? If anything, just to capture, uh, just just to um, you know, capture these great conversations or or just the voices of people that are an important part of my life. Yeah. And uh, and and with this one, you know, I want to give people a voice that may not get the media attention. And so at least I'm capturing that and putting that out there. Hey, this is what I think is cool. If people listen to it, great. If not, you know, I mean, I have to work to get the listenership up, but. If anything, I think it's cool to capture just, you know, back in the day, it would have been nice to have a conversation maybe with my, my grandmother yeah, or, you know, to have that and you can go back and listen another time. So I think even if somebody doesn't put it out there, it's nice to, you know, record it, uh, put it in there, put a nice label on it. And then, you know, you have uh, essentially an episode that you can go back and listen to at some point and reminisce. Yeah. Could you list off a couple of people you would personally want to interview? I mean, yeah. be, be they celebrities or just people that you know. Who who who's on the list that you haven't gotten to? Oh, yet? definitely, definitely. Um, you know, I, looking back, you know, I've always been a, a big fan of, of music. Uh, more so, even even with with creating films and whatnot. I think I, I don't know somehow I gravitated more to musicians, just because in that song, the story they tell and just the emotion that's evoked. Uh, I like um, Ed Roland from Collective Soul. I think is mm. an amazing songwriter. And, uh, you know, would, would love to talk to him. You know, one of one of my favorites for a lot of years has been Sammy Hagar, and that's who I was listening to uh, a podcast with uh, him and Eddie Trunk. And that's what, and I was like uh, 
fixing a, a television, like putting a new power supply or something, you know, this is like stretching outside my comfort zone with that and listening to that and thinking like, oh yeah, hey, uh, uh, you know, I've got uh, my, my friend Shane does uh, a podcast and I was like, he's doing a rock and roll podcast. Wait a second. You know what? I could do something like that too. So I called him up and just picked his brain and was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then I like have these conversations in my head and like, oh, here's how this podcast would, would kind of sound. Um, as far as who else do I have on the horizon? Wow. Um, I don't know. Who would you, I mean, you guys, as far as subjects, because you're more subject orientated, what are some other topics? Let me think a minute of who else I'd Okay, podcast. so up, upcoming subjects? Oh, God. Where do we even start with so that we, list? We have a spreadsheet or a, a Google Doc that's easily over 50 topics now so we could do this show forever we probably will oh yeah i mean we've got we already mentioned that we want to do a show about beer in st louis from its very early era mm-hmm. up until now which that in and yeah. of itself could be a whole podcast oh my gosh that could own. be yeah no doubt I and mean, that's the cool thing it's it seems like we're um we're mirroring that early era now because back and before prohibition you had all these mm-hmm essentially microbreweries mm-hmm. and uh and now we're having that again since mbev um came in yeah. you know a lot of people left anheuser-busch and decided to start up their own operation so yeah, yeah that's, that's a know, great topic beer is a subject you could spend years on um when we were doing interviews for episode three one of our subjects told us about a place in st louis that was called the social evil hospital social evil hospital first of all is the best like fake industrial band name I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. I would kill to start that band. Anyway, it was a hospital. At one point in time, apparently St. Louis had experimented with legalized prostitution. And for reasons that you might guess, it didn't ever catch on. But the social evil hospital was a place where uh, women who were involved in that profession would go to be treated and regularly tested. I had no idea this that thing is existed. interesting. Wow. Yeah. And if only for the cool name, absolutely, I'm going to research it. But the actual subject is mind blowing. It's fascinating. We've got that. Oh, shit. Matt yeah. has his phone out. I pulled the sheet up. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. There was real quick before you go into there was uh, this comic book store I went to back in in the day. This the fantasy shop. So okay. It's a, yeah. 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 Well, they had a they had a store in St. Charles and the upper area was a, a, a brothel. So it's like right <laughs> at the edge of Main Street. <laughs> And, uh, you know, this cool location, and that's uh, that's the, I, I guess, rumor. I, I think I know a dude who used to work at the Fantasy Shop in St. Charles. I would be surprised if you didn't know this guy. So that's, I didn't realize that yeah, our universes so just, might have crossed yeah, that, that way. Yeah, it was just that old building. So you look at these old buildings circa, you know, I don't know, what, 1840s, and that was the capital at one time of, yeah. of the state of Missouri. Yeah, so interesting. Well, what do you have on the list, Matt? All right, so uh, we have one that's like a would look at vacant property in St. Louis. I think the uh, the the number kind of gets thrown around, but a third or a quarter of the properties in St. Louis City are vacant. So uh, there's a lot of reasons why historical, present day, mm-hmm. and also how we try to sell the property or get it updated in the ways that we fail at doing that. So that's a multifaceted one. And an interesting thing to maybe if you were comparing or compare, yeah, more of a pair, sorry, contrast, it would be more of a contrast what they've done with vacant properties in Detroit with yep. the community gardens and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't quite in this city, uh, you know, we haven't quite went to that that regard. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. It's uh, well, you, you it'd be a, interesting. I'd listen to what you get a knee jerk response whenever you talk about vacant properties. Someone will be like, "Mow it all down," and I'm like, "Well, that costs money." And then someone will be like, "Well, I'll just sell it at a cheap price." And I'm like, "How do you just not have someone who buys a bunch of it and then just does nothing with it, mm-hmm. or 
you know, redevelops in a negative way. So there's a lot of stuff to that. that, that or, or like the bricks. And I know that's uh, the guy named Bill Streeter who, mm-hmm. uh, who put a documentary together on bricks in St. Louis. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you still have a lot of that where people are wanting these bricks and they're sending a lot of them down to New Orleans. And yep. cause we said good clay, you know, that's, so that's, I mean, that's another yeah, pe- subject. People, people not from here, like look at that. They're like, there's so much brick. I'm like, oh, muddy water. Like we can just, we can get this stuff like so much <laughs> yeah. of that. I've got some laying outside my house right now. <laughs> like, you know, it's, a, it's strange how it's like in surplus here, but you go somewhere else and you see oh, nothing I'm, like that. I mean, St. Louis, whenever I think about St. Louis historically, red brick is yep. one of the things. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I owe, I sort of owe my life and safety to uh, red brick, red, red brick. Red brick. <laughs> His lighter. It kept him warm Red in the wintertime. He started a fire with it. No, um, there was a fire in my apartment building oh, where shit. I live a couple of years ago. If it weren't for the fact that the firewalls between our apartments were about a foot and a half thick, yeah. mostly of good old-fashioned St. Louis red brick, oh, yeah, the whole whole second floor would have been gutted. Holy cow. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, red brick, St. Louis, that is a that is a thing. It's an interesting, you know, insulator as well. So, yeah, my house is, is brick, so once it comes in, like, Summertime, it'll you know keep uh, keep the warmth or the, or the cool for a few days, and then uh, yeah, so it's nice. I don't have to turn on the air conditioner oh, necessarily sure. right away, so it gives me three free days of you know <laughs> comfortable temps. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll, if we if we survive this, uh, the Veiled Prophet uh, in St. Louis, which uh, surprisingly many people don't know about. So. You, you know, I, I know the name, but I don't know the history, so I'll have to definitely <laughs> tune into that to get more information. Uh, uh, pray for our safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we, whenever we're joking about conspiracies, there's a there's a lot surrounding that one, and I, I would argue not conspiracies. Uh, William S. Burroughs, he's from St. Louis. Yeah. Um, let's see, regionalism. Uh, St. Louis City County <laughs> versus St. Louis County. There's a whole lot of history there, uh, all the way back to the Great Divorce. So that's uh, that's going to push a lot of buttons just exploring it. Even if you say that, that has a knee-jerk response of how people get mad. Um, St. Louis design, as in infrastructure, how everything's laid out. A lot of people have, uh, this is conversations over beer at parties where someone will say, uh, Gravois laid out the way it is because this was stupid and this person did this. And <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting stuff that went into, went into design of like the streets and the neighborhoods in St. Louis. You can also talk about, uh, areas that have been redeveloped or totally changed in a very short period of time. St. Louis is over 300 years old. It's technically older than the United States. So there's a lot that goes into that. So, um, Man, compelling topics. I'm like thinking, I want to listen to that. I wish, you already, I wish it was done. I want to go listen to it right now. Uh, the Malcolm Bliss Psychiatric Hospital. Um, Cokie Mounds. Uh, there's also a lot of really good history here, especially speaking about like uh, Stockley and Ferguson, stuff like that. There's uh, been a pronounced presence of protesting in St. Louis history in a lot of ways that I'm, I'm proud of because of a lot of them having... Uh, a protest and then actual action following through from like what they wanted or the demands they're making. Um, let's see. Uh, Dred Scott decision. Everyone uh, seems to forget that. And a lot of things have not changed in some ways there. Um, let's see. Social evil house you listed. Uh, I had someone every, so every time we interview someone, we ask, uh, we basically say, what would you want to learn more about in St. Louis? Everyone has a different answer. I've yet to get a repeat one, which mm. is great. Uh, one of the m- more recent ones was Victorian funerals. So there's a Victorian <laughs> funeral society that dresses up and re- reenacts historical funerals in a Victorian style at the Bellefontaine Cemetery. 
That's great. Like, I, I love that there's a, a group that's that dedicated to, to keeping a ritual like that alive. So I just want to learn more about it. And you just look at that cemetery. You just look at some of the yeah. names that are in there. Oh, it's a lot of yeah. historical figures. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. A lot of history. And when I first heard about the uh, Victorian Funeral Society, yeah, my first thought was, of course, St. Louis. Of course <laughs> you would do that. You couldn't possibly not do that. That's great, guys. Uh, it's it's St. Louis is a city still really obsessed with history, mm-hmm. and yet this the the generation that I'm in and the generation younger than me. I'm 36, which feels a little weird to say out loud. Uh, the generation younger than me doesn't seem to really know as much because it just wasn't taught as much in school or their tr- recent transplants to the city. You know, they've got a lot a lot to learn. Well, one thing I find that's interesting when you talk about transplants to the city, uh, I think people that come to the city from other places have uh, hold it in a higher regard than people that may have grown up here. And maybe that's that's anywhere. I mean, because I hear a lot of great things about the city and just like there's a lot of treasures and jewels in this city that uh, that maybe like if you grew up and, and maybe this is any any city you grew up in or if you stay in the same place, it kind of has that, you know, that luster is not there, that that appeal but when I talk to people that are transplants, they find a lot. They really talk about the beauty of this city and, and some of the interesting areas. That's uh, that's what you find out whenever you do a do a show about St. Louis is that there are people who curse the ground that they're standing on and want to leave. And there's other people who never want to go anywhere else. Uh, Lucas is multi-generational St. Louis. I'm a transplant. So I moved over 25 times because my dad worked for their lines. So he just basically had to move a bunch of times. So yeah. for whatever reason, I always joke that we, we stopped at the, the lukewarm center of America in St. Louis. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it's interesting having a perspective on how different uh, cities are whenever you go to different locations. But I, I think, uh, there's there are ups and downs of how how different cities operate and you know it's it's always like a grass is always greener on the other side too i think mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of things you could cherish and love here that you will not find anywhere else there's also other things you could do elsewhere like uh you know there's other major cities that have more business and more work involved but i mean take chicago for example uh beyond the whole you know cubs and cardinals rivalry rivalry i can't say the word right their competition between each other there's there's a history of both of those states like missouri and like illinois battling each other to the point of redirecting a river to push everything down to (laughs) st louis like that's that's not an accident that's like power players pushing and fighting that you need to understand that history to see more of where things are and also understand like if you understand the 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 power that people had in crafting the world that you live in you're smarter and you can figure out ways to circumvent or avoid that happening again and you're a little bit better like if you don't learn your past expand it so that story what circumventing the river or, or changing the flow what was what was that story so this is going to take research so everything i say is uh but just in a nutshell just a in, in little a, teaser well in a nutshell of what i know of it about it is uh I think Detroit had a thing with their water flowing down into Chicago, and then Chicago did something to literally reverse the flow of a river, and a lot of it <laughs> results in like shitty water and garbage and dirty water flooding down St. Louis. The state of Missouri sued sued Illinois over that, and then basically got dismissed or like you know uh, cast aside by a judge, but. That literally caused a bunch of the problems with the Mississippi that we have. There's also industrial competition that uh, they people in Chicago basically blocked railroad access or be a bridge being built for railroad access. There's just like massive uh, corporate 
entities that basically helped kind of push St. Louis aside and circumvent them. I think a lot of, I mean, so part of the, part of the swagger that I like about St. Louis is like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like that, that is a thing that has been there for a long time. So maybe at some point St. Louis collectively said, collectively said, yeah, Chicago, you can be the coolest spot in the Midwest, whatever. Like you can also have really cold winters and, you know, really hot summers and stuff. And you can, you, you can be the, the forefront for this, but we're going to, we're going to take a back seat to this. That It almost seems like history was kind of like that in some ways, but you know, it's going to take delving into it because again, like those are snippets of the story that like, there could have been things that St. Louis did that were really dumb that, that cost us mm-hmm. a bunch of business, but you know, a big contrast to another city that we get compared to Baltimore they have a harbor scene that people go hang out at. I have relatives that move from Baltimore to St. Louis. They're like, let's go hang out at the harbor. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, it's like industrial. There's nothing yeah. there. Uh, you know, what leads landing isn't, isn't anything really anymore. It kind of is, but not in a way it used to be. Well, things no. are cyclical. So yeah. at some point, like yeah. Westport yeah. is now like uh, bouncing back and yeah. it's a cool spot. Yeah. So yeah, you know, and I think no matter where you're at, you have those cyclical, uh, now, now I'm stuck on words, cyclical, yeah. uh, you know, elements. Uh, I, I think it's human nature. Yeah. It's like, okay, here's the cool new thing. And then you get tired of the cool new thing. And eventually you come around to that old thing that has been kind of revamped a little bit. Now yeah. that's the cool new thing. Yeah. You're seeing a revival with uh, um, industrial spaces that have been empty for a long time or, not really utilized. Now you see like co-working spaces mm-hmm. where a bunch of people go in and they're work. They're they're not working on machinery, but they're on computers. They're all sharing resources and doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you're right that everything's cyclical, and that's mm-hmm. the cool part about diving into this history is walking into a room and seeing what it was like before, mm-hmm. or how things operated, and how that informed where you're at yeah. right now. And, and Lucas, do you feel that looking at that history? Because I mean, I think history is important. It's very interesting. But do you think? just that love or, or maybe that we're a little bit stuck in that history where it kind of uh, kind of hinders our ability to move forward? Well, I mean, it depends on what history you're talking about, right? I mean, you know, Matt had said that my family is multi-generational. You have to realize that either on my mother or on my father's side, someone I'm related to has been here since around the Civil War, give or take. I mean, especially on my father's side, I'm way more aware of our genealogy there, but my next genealogical project will probably be on my mother's side then. At any rate, I mean, on one hand, there are people who have a very deep sense of their history about where they're from and where, you know, who they are because of their history. But then again, you know, I, I, I grew up in St. Louis in the 1980s and 1990s. This was not a great place. And I think there are a lot of people who aren't aware and even even I'm readily shocked week to week with our research in terms of I, I I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know that but the thing that I do find though is that I think how to put this and I'm going to ramble for a minute and I apologize um there is part and what a midwestern thing to say <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry <laughs> there's there is part of me that kind of feels like St. Louis is stuck on a history that never really was and we really need an education on the history that absolutely was. Matt and I have been talking about this a lot recently. There's this idea of big history and little history, or what uh, Howard Zinn would call people's history. This idea that history is more than just governments and wars and uh, great diseases and these big social moments. History is little people's lives. History is the day-to-day people. Learning about my great-grandfather, who died in the, like, 1960s or 1970s. I never had a chance to meet him, obviously. Uh, Learning about him really, really changed my adulthood. It really made me take a step back and go, oh, 
His father barely spoke English when he arrived. He he was on a horse-drawn cart speaking a little French, a little German, a little Swiss. Or I, I don't know what language to speak in Switzerland. I'm sort of an idiot like that. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, you know, here's a guy who arrived to America with nothing and made a small business for himself and eventually, you know, by by the chain of history, here I'm sitting today in a part of town that for him, would have been two days' ride on a horse-drawn cart. So, on one hand, people are very unaware of history because they live a modern life that's very fast-paced and is very decentralized, and you don't know who your relatives are. And I'm not saying that we all need to go back to some bucolic, non-existent 1950s world that most of us will never have any understanding of, but having an understanding of history gives you an understanding not of the future, but of the present. And if you have a better sense of where your feet are in the present, the future suddenly becomes a thing that's way less nebulous and feels way less mysterious. And it gives us time to actually look at real mysteries about the world, about why little things are the way they are, about rivers being rerouted and about uh, the the eccentricities of stop signs in St. Louis. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> there, I'm just saying that on one hand, people are very aware of history in a big sense, but very ignorant. And that's not an insult, but very ignorant of history in the little sense. And knowing that little sense makes the big sense a very different story. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a, you know, I'm answering your question too, even though you've asked Lucas. I'm By all means. <laughs> I wasn't uh, trying to put you out. I figured Jason, see, yeah, go ahead answer, please. So, so, uh, when it, when it, when it comes to history there are layers to it if you pick one you're you're not really you're you're picking what you want to believe and then you're going to find anything to reinforce it uh bush stadium whenever it's built mowed down part of downtown that was a chinatown no one talks about that there was a chinatown yes oh so I didn't that. so I, i'm not saying like feel bad if you go to a cardinals game because chinatown got mowed down like it's it's not it's not that clear <laughs> it's like, rhymed pretty well <laughs> it's it's not that it's not that simple of a thing mm-hmm. history never really is it's it's it, there's a lot going on like there would have been like probably like a bunch of people who own property in that area like oh yeah you give me a bunch of money i'll move great like uh, i don't really like downtown I'm, I'm out it could have been a mix of things mm-hmm. i think it's more important that you you keep an open mind and try to decide that i i would agree with the assessment that st louis does want to pick and choose its own little history and say this is the way things are and you're like uh no actually in reality for most people it was not like um you know people want to ignore the population drop white flight redlining a bunch of that stuff that i I grew up uh i unfortunately went to high school in saint charles and i i i just you know at a phase in your life whenever your parents pick where you go to school and we moved out to there uh, whenever we came to the saint louis area you don't learn a bunch of things like how literally the area you're going to school at is probably a part of like a massive like exodus from the city for a bunch of bad reasons you don't learn that i think uh, i'm not trying to make amends for the fact that i went to high school out there or anything like that but i think a lot of people would do better in exploring the history good and bad and embracing it and then they can still you can still be proud of history at that point but no one's clean like no one has like a perfectly good history nobody has like a, a clear background it's layered, it's multifaceted, and I think that can give people a little bit, little bit more patience whenever it comes to a d- deferring point of view in history or, you know, something rubs you the wrong way whenever you're reading about family history, you're like, oh, I'm embarrassed by that, like everybody does. Uh, St. Louis has a little bit of amnesia in some ways. There's also some people who are blindly love something because it's old, which I don't get. Um, you know, like the, the Clemens house, uh, 
uh, I think it was arson, that building got burned down. Mm-hmm. And some people were like, uh, it could have been preserved or done uh, something else done with it. Half those people didn't even know what went on in the history of that building. Good things and very horrible things uh, in history. Uh, someone had proposed, and I think uh, I think it was the next SDL, someone basically proposed rather than revamp it, mow it down, take it in its current state and preserve it, and then basically make it a little spot where people go and see all the history that happened in this building, good and bad. And that was like probably the most appealing idea to me because I'm like, you really get to soak up everything. You get to see uh, some of the racist, horrible origins the building had of some of the people who owned it and what they did on the property. You get to see, I think, like a refugee group and a bunch of other really good social services that went through that building. And then you get to see neglect of a, a big developer who owns a huge chunk of North St. Louis, just let it sit there. And then a bunch of people panicking because of the fire they thought asbestos basically flying in the air and poisoning everyone so there's all that stuff going into just the building you shouldn't be in love with an old building just because it's old you should want to explore and figure out those things and be able to say you know all these things happen in the space and that's that's like an, an in a nutshell st louis right there's so many different things that have happened in multiple areas the joke is in, in st louis even like parts of st louis county you're like you walk into a building, someone's like, what this building used to be, <laughs> you know? And it's like four or five things because brick lasts forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think uh, being being stuck on a history that you kind of like is a bad thing to do. St. Louis seems to do it a fair amount of times. So that's entirely subjective. Uh, but I think the curiosity is there. So if you can tap into that, a lot of people will listen. Uh, it's amazing how many people, if we bring up the idea of the show, they're like, I'm interested. Like we were having like a meal at the, uh, the Hill. We interviewed a, a server there to tell us like a story about the origin of toasted ravioli, which he very well knew because uh, everyone asked him, like people out of town, <laughs> in town, like he knew that story by heart. And the, the other server who was working just came over and was like, what are you guys talking about? And we, we give her like, a, in a sentence, say like, it's it's about the, it's about St. Louis. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. Just immediately peaked. So I think there's a healthy curiosity that everyone seems to have here that even if the inclination might be history that I only want to hear about, I think you can kind of, you know, like good comedy gets you to think about something or think outside the box or consider something you wouldn't normally consider. I think good storytelling and podcasts can kind of do that. We're still, we're probably still storytelling really because the way we frame stuff, that as much information as we have, we we frame things in a way that there's still like an editorial uh, slap on top of it. It's organizing information, so... I'm not convinced that you can even tell a story entirely detached from personal opinion. I, I, I mean, I, the extent of my education is essentially journalism. And one thing that's drilled into your head is be objective, be objective, be objective. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that you can be entirely objective. I mean, part of me wants to give you the facts as clean and as best as I can give them. But I'm not going to lie. I have a feeling about about guns, about the best toasted ravioli in St. Louis, about <laughs> the best hot chip, which, by the way, is Red Hot Ripplets. We're not being paid for that. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, but everyone has their opinion, and I don't think we can get divorced from that. If we're going to tell a story, we're not the BBC Nightly News. You know, we're, we're not just, hello, welcome to the BBC. Here's today's news. That's not us. We're not pretending to be that. We shouldn't we shouldn't pretend to be that. But I'm also going to tell anyone who hears us, like, we're doing the best we can with what we have, and I think we do pretty well. That's fantastic. And you certainly have have just a, a plethora of, of projects. I mean, it's a goldmine of, of subjects, and there's a lot of things that you mentioned to me here today. It's just like, wow, I want to I know more about that. So 
um, you know, my interest in future episodes is, is peaked. And, uh, you know, I implore everyone out listening to this to check out Blinders Off and the, the cool things that you guys are doing. You, any Anything you want to close with? Uh, be a round earther. <laughs> That's good. Join the movement. Yes, jo- join Matt's movement of like three. Um, the only thing I can close with is just check us out and tell friends and go learn. This is a cool city. If you're willing to get out of your bubble for five minutes, go learn. There's no excuse not to. You have no excuse to be bored in St. Louis. Right on, man. Well, thank you. This was definitely not a boring conversation. I'm, <laughs> you know, we've talked about this for a while. Glad to have had it. And, you know, thanks, fellas, for sitting down and uh, look forward to more episodes of, of what you have to put out. Blinders off. Check it out, everyone. Every person we interviewed had different opinions, approaches, and ideas on how to help the homeless. There is no ultimate solution. I mean, then again, every person's situation is different, right? There are over 50 pages of resources in the Start Here directory. It's a lot of different people investing their time, energy, and money to help others. I remember Eddie Roth mentioned in our talk that the Larry Rices and Grumpy Loft Dwellers were outliers, distractions to what really mattered. Lucas and I were staying at the corner of South Broadway in Montana at night watching Bobby work. The young girl that Pastor Bobby identified as a working girl came over. She approached us and basically accepted a bag of supplies, some coffee, some food, and did a needle exchange. Bobby opened up her arms and said, I love you and care about you. The girl was startled at first, but quickly accepted her hug. I choked up. I was not prepared to see this. I wondered when was the last time someone just accepted her like this. This wasn't a cure, but it was definitely a start. I talked about getting her treatment. She was fed. Some people gave a damn. There was hope. 